0: Warning, paper. The paper Welcome to Hipcast, Hasting Independence podcast which starts and sparks from the 203rd edition of the paper. In Float to Live, Sarah Milne shares her experiences with the Lifeboat Service. She was one of the people mentioned in David Dennis's article about the RNLI and she explores the very many different aspects of being involved with the Hastings team. She includes some handy safety tips and suggests ways you could help or get more directly involved. My name is Ben Bruges and I talked to Catherine Sutter about her new fortnightly column, People of Hastings. I asked where the idea came from, where it's going, and spoke to two recent candidates, Millie Rowland and Katie Rosie, about how they came to be chosen and what they add to the many hues of Hastings' life. We cover all sorts of issues, clubbing and theatre for people with disabilities, buying or hiring vintage clothes, and there's even a mention of a beloved teddy bear. Two articles in the paper discuss different aspects of the experience of refugees and of those helping them in the locality. One of those people is Sarah Milne, who talks about the articles and shares the issues they raise. Later on, we have a musical treat for you. We feature Came to the City. A beautiful new song by Tim Hoyt, a singer-songwriter who's lived in Hastings for 30 years and who describes his music as alt-folk acoustic and seems to have a wide range of influences, the Kinks, Momus, Nick Drake, Joni Mitchell, with maybe a hint of klezmer and trad-jazz in there. He says his songs often feature metaphors and imagery from nature, themes around dreams or inner journeys and childhood memory, loneliness and the search for connection and belonging. We'll put a link to his Bandcamp page where you can download the album. Don't forget, the paper is out each fortnight in your local cafe or corner shop and can be read or downloaded from the webpage. Follow Hastings Independent on Facebook and Instagram and maybe consider becoming a friend of HIP to support local independent journalism. We're all volunteers. You could always join us. Look out for the next Open Meeting and come and have a chat. So first, let's float to live.
1: There's a really interesting feature in issue 203 of the Hastings Independent called Saving Lives at Sea, the Hastings Lifeboat and its Women. So right now it's Sunday morning. Uh, Many people might still be asleep. I'm here with my Hermione, you can probably hear purring. I can't really do much about that right now because if I put her down, she's gonna jump all over the place and make even more noise. So um, we're here, we're up bright and early because it's lifeboat exercise day and I am one of those Hastings lifeboat women. (laughs) I just thought I'd share a little bit about my experience with Hastings lifeboat. I was born in Hastings, um, and I lived here till I was four. My grandparents lived here till I was 18. And the lifeboat was such an important part of our lives. We used to go to lifeboat days. I One of my most treasured possessions as a child was a pen that had the lifeboat going up and down the pen as you tipped it. I loved that, for some reason I loved that. It always sticks in mind. I don't know what happened to it, and I'm really sad, but I haven't got it anymore. And it was, it was just, when we went on holiday to Cornwall, and we'd go and see lifeboats there. And every time we visited our grandparents, we'd always go to the lifeboat station here and and see what had been happening while we'd been away. So it was really kind of quite a dream of mine to join the lifeboat crew, but it was one of those dreams I never thought would happen, not least because I didn't live by the sea. Until last year, when I came back to Hastings, And I moved back here in October, and by November, I'd had the opportunity to become a volunteer at Hastings Lifeboat Station, which was so exciting for me. It was like a dream come true. So now I'm part of the volunteer shore crew. So we launch and recover the lifeboat, get it safely down to the sea and back so that the volunteer crew can go out and do their thing. And of course, everybody thinks mostly about the crew, the boat crew, but there are so many things that you can do at the lifeboat. There's so many different volunteer positions. As well as being on the shore crew, I am the volunteer water safety officer for Hastings. So I am responsible for looking at the kind of the data, the sorts of rescues we've had, the kind of trends that we're expecting for a season. And then planning some interventions to try and help keep us all safe here along the coast here, us and our visitors to Hastings from Bex Hill really, to Pet, we're really looking at all that bit of coast and seeing how we can keep people safe. So we go out and um, talk to people on, on the beaches, just give them some safety tips and advice. Go into schools and give water safety presentations. We liaise with local sea using groups and talk about safety and put on some events. We've, we've done an event for swimmers. I think we're going to be doing an event soon on Best Ways to Call for Help when you're in the water. I have a team of six fantastic water safety advisors because we have one fantastic guy, and other than him, we are all, all of us on the water safety team are women. <laughs> all on the other side, shall we say, of 50, only just, only just, but <laughs> we're all on the other side. So it really is, it's, it's something that you can do at any time of life. I mean, you know, as I said, it's something I'd wanted to do ever since I was a child, and I got the chance just past 50 to actually see this dream come to be and it's it's just it's a huge part of my life here in Hastings get in touch with the lifeboat station Hastings RNLI on on, um, social media on Facebook particularly if you want to find out some more I mean there's there's all sorts of ways you can get involved and we really are one crew although of course the lifeboat is the one that gets the most kind of attention because it's like people can take really cool photographs and videos of the boats being launched and doing their thing. We are one crew and you can get involved in water safety, you can get involved in the shop, in showing people around the station and talking to them about the boats and what we do. Um, of course, there's fundraisers and even just donating money. I say just donating money, man, that's really, really important. We we're, the RNLI is a charity. We can't do this without public donations and fundraising. So donating money is is very much becoming part of our crew as well and helping us so so I think I'd, I'd love to just share a couple of water safety messages though to have the opportunity to, as I've got your ear <laughs> to, to just give a few key water safety messages for the summer. Firstly try and use the lifeguarded beaches and there's one at Pelham, there's one at the pier and there's one at Marina St Leonard's, there's also one at Bexhill. So if you are on those beaches then you you are being observed, you're being watched and you know if you do get into trouble in the water you're going to get help very very quickly and there's also people there to help you with first aid and anything else that might happen. Make sure that you are equipped for what you're doing. So if you are coming to spend some time on the beach, bring sun cream, bring all the things that you need, plenty of water. But if you are going in the water, then Please do bring a call for help device, a mobile phone in a waterproof case. Make sure that you are using buoyancy aid or life jacket for your activity as well. Try and stay together with people, try and do things together. But if you are going on your own, then make sure that people know where you're going and know where you're likely to be back so they can raise an alarm if you don't come back when expected. If you do get into any trouble at all in the water, then just don't panic, just float to live. That's one of the most important things to remember, float to live, lie on your back, just keep your arms outstretched and just float, and if you've got that call for help device, which you should have, you can then just make the call. It's always 999, so if you get into any trouble in the water or you see anybody that needs some help, then call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. So that's a little bit about what we get up to at Hastings Lifeboat, at Hastings r and Lie. So yeah, get in touch <laughs> and come join us.
0: So Catherine, on Hastings Independent, we used to have something called Immunity Ledge that um, Rod Webb was doing, and I think the ledge was kind of a joke, as in the way kids say legends, um, but also there's Goat's Ledge, which was a favourite cafe of his. And you seem to have resurrected the idea, and you're calling it People of Hastings, is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. So I used to really like Rod's column, and I thought it'd be nice to kind of restart it again. But he often focused on some of the kind of like more theatrical or everyone kind of news. I'm trying this column to think about people who are maybe more normal or people who might not have, we might not have heard of around the town. But um, yeah, it's been great to restart it.
0: And what's your aim for it? Do you think this helps the community in some way?
2: I think like always telling people stories is always like really useful for the community because there's so many interesting people around. I think that sometimes we forget about some more normal people is often like the actresses or the musicians that we all hear about and yeah I think sharing the story of any anyone in the town and getting their whatever they're involved in more known is always going to be a good thing
0: we've got someone joining us Millie Rowland you interviewed in the last edition hi Millie hello how do you like being called a normal person
3: (laughs) probably something my family would chuckle at (laughs) But I understand what Catherine's saying as well. I've I've been a reader of hip since since she came about. And it's always fascinating to read about our celebrities. But um I don't know if it's my theatrical background or what, but reading about everyday people is equally as fascinating to me. So uh yeah, I can see where Catherine's coming from with the Resurrection,
0: okay. thank you Okay, okay. <laughs> well I'm, I'm partly asking that question because you seem anything but normal to me So just to introduce <laughs> yourself to people
3: We'll start with Millie's Nightclub because that's the longest running So I founded Millie's Nightclub 16 years ago this month And that is a nightclub for adults with disabilities uh, The concept being it's a regular nightclub There is alcohol, there is DJs, uh, but it's fully accessible So we have found a venue that is fully accessible, has an accessible toilet. is marvellous in that it also has a light up dance floor, but it's set at an earlier time. So it's seven till 10. And that works with a lot of peoples uh, who live in care homes particularly, but also it works for people who just have quite busy active days, but also still get quite exhausted. Yeah, so we're once a month. And yeah, like I said, that's been going for 16 years. And I I set that up because my sister has cerebral palsy and I worked in the crypt for seven years uh, back in the late 90s, early 1000s. And she was always hearing these stories of me clubbing and wanted to give it a shot. Uh, But taking her down the crypt at 10 o'clock at night (laughs) once was... uh... Was
0: probably not a good idea. Were you ever there when it got flooded?
3: Oh, absolutely. That was most nights, I think. Was
0: it? As it happens, I heard a really gruesome story about that last night, so let's move on swiftly. (laughs) There's this kind of mistaken belief that, you know, just because you have a disability, either physical or mental or emotional or personality, that you're not growing up, you're not interested in relationships, you're not interested in sex, you know, all this kind of stuff, which is, it's a really bad attitude, isn't it? But it's, I don't know if it's understandable or not, or...
3: I would argue it's not understandable, but I un- I understand the caution because obviously a lot of our vulnerable community are on medication for certain health issues and whatnot. So one of the things I have done is I've gone into care homes and day centres and colleges and actually talked about alcohol use and drug abuse with people who come to Millie's nightclub. So that's that's been really good. But it's really interesting how many families and care homes are on board and actually, you know, their kid drunk one WKD too many and threw up blue everywhere, you know. And they're just like, oh well, it's a Millie's night, you know. It's it's yeah. gonna <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you know, like any other teenager might.
3: Absolutely, it's having that opportunity in a safe space to actually let your hair down, meet new people. Back at sixteen years ago, the disabled community was quite segregated in their own like care homes or day centres. So actually, meeting other people was you know it was quite something new today day services and and everything are a lot more integrated people try out different places on a regular basis but um it's still quite true that you know lots of different people come together at millie's nightclub to uh yeah meet other people see other people which is Uh, that sounds really good
0: and you're also ceo of boathouse arts
3: Boathouse Theatre Arts is a small charitable theatre company for children and adults with disabilities. This was founded 12 years ago by Kim and Kevin. When they moved to the area, they were looking for somewhere for their daughter with Down syndrome to just experience the arts and decided because they couldn't find anything that they felt was suitable people that would know her needs they looked at opening their own my sister my sister again when they were chatting about this at day service turned around and said oh my sister's got a drama degree she could do that for you <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, passed over my number and here I am so
0: she she volunteered you
3: oh very much so she's very good at that (laughs) so yes so I was employed by them 12 years ago to run the adult session we eventually opened up children's session but Kim and Kevin are predominantly from Wales and they chose to move back just before the pandemic whilst you can run most things via a laptop and around the world this kind of thing does need a, a face and somebody a lot more local so that's when I decided to step up step away from the teaching and step up to running the company if
0: someone wanted to go to Millie's nightclub or wanted to get involved in Boathouse Theatre Arts what would what would they do?
3: The main the main way at the moment is probably through Facebook Uh, if you find Millie's Nightclub or find Boathouse Theatre Arts we're quite prevalent on there Um, you can find those. And
0: you also have um, a singing and a signing choir
3: we do. That's part of the Boathouse Theatre. Something that um, I've always been quite passionate about is communication, uh, different forms of communication. And so working, well, you know, living with my sister and meeting lots of other people with their variety of needs, the use of Makaton, a British sign language, is, is used more than we would give it credit for. And so we decided that actually something that we could do if that was to have a bit of fun was to set up the singing and signing choir. And we've now got quite a repertoire of songs that we've taken to many local events and had a lot of fun with sort of like shown, shown that to the world as well, which has been great.
0: So, so Catherine, how did you get in touch with um, Millie?
3: I um, first saw the
2: signing choir and I remember uh, um, it was at St Leonard's festival. And I remember reading the programme and thinking, why did it say singing choir? And then realised, oh, signing, that's so cool. So I um, I saw Millie kind of, con- I don't know if the word's conducting or I don't know what you do for a choir, directing that and thought, wow, she seems like a really cool, like energetic person. This seems like a great organisation. So I actually got in touch with Millie after that and I did volunteer for a little bit at Boathouse in the children's group before lockdown and all the pandemic came along, which I really enjoyed. It's such a fun place to be. And yeah, working with the kids was great. And yeah, I still kind of had it in the back of my mind all the time. Like, oh, Boathouse was so great. I wonder what they're doing. And I'd also been to one of their shows. I'd been to Aladdin. And if you ever get a chance to go to any of their shows they're like so fantastic so I'd really recommend that but yeah I just thought oh Minnie would be great because I don't know if she shouts about herself enough or if people know much about what's going on with House. but yeah as you've heard it's a very interesting organisation and yeah she's a great lady.
0: Absolutely you've been doing this column for a while I think now longer than I thought actually.
2: I think the first one was um the shores of Norman Road so they're um the hairdressers that's one of the oldest hairdressers on norman road so it's lovely talking to them and then i interviewed father david from
0: st john's oh thank you millie yeah
2: it's (laughs) st john's yeah and he he was a great character um and then i think millie was my third one and then for the most recent paper i've interviewed kate rosie from teddy tinkers and she's a great character and it was great learning about her her shop and Her journey into um, having a really cool antique shop so yeah I'm hoping to continue continue going I mean obviously the paper's out every two weeks there's 100,000 people or whatever in Hastings so there's quite a lot of uh, opportunities to keep going with the column okay
0: so who do you want to interview next and Millie perhaps after that you can nominate someone yourself one
2: person um, that I've got lined up is I don't know if you know the cafe, Sunshine Cafe, um, along Kings, oh yeah, Queens Road. So that's a really interesting Latvian cafe. So I'm going to talk to the owner of that. That's going to come up. But yeah, I'm I'm still looking for people and I'm kind of working it up as I go along. There's no
3: massive plan or set list of people.
0: So Millie, I'm putting you on the spot. Nominate somebody.
3: Um, I would probably nominate my friend Rachel Loudon, actually. She's a drama therapist. She's a nationally renowned autism specialist. She's done a lot of work during the pandemic with both the police and the NHS with how people with autism are dealt with. And she has lived in Hastings for the last 20 years, I think. So, and she's one of these, again, these unsung heroes. She's just an everyday woman going about her everyday life. But actually, her everyday life is helping millions nationally so yeah i would probably recommend her
0: and so if um somebody wanted to nominate someone Catherine, what should they do
2: um i think the best thing to do is probably get in touch with um the community page so if you give us an email community at hastings independent uk, or you can message us on facebook or instagram Um, and yeah any suggestions are always welcome that'd be great
0: So we're now joined by Kate Rosie who runs something called Teddy Tinkers is that right Kate?
4: It is Ben. Yes, that's right.
0: And can you explain what on earth that is?
4: <laughs> okay. I I named Teddy Tinkers after my teddy bear and it's my shop and we sell mostly vintage We sell vintage clothing and we also do fancy dress costumes and all sorts of theatre costumes. But we also sell antiques and collectibles and many, many, many different things. And everything in the shop is for sale and also for hire if people prefer.
0: So you're going to hire your teddy bear out? Oh
4: no, Teddy Tinker doesn't go down to the shop, <laughs> but we do sell teddy bears.
0: Is Teddy Tinker really your teddy bear?
4: Yes, he is. He is. He's my, Fr- my from from
0: when you were a child. He
4: is. He's my lifelong bear, and he sits at home currently with his best friend Clarence. <laughs> I uh, I left one day as normal. And I came home and said to my husband that I was not going to be going back into that building. He said to me, what, what do you think you're going to do? And I said, I just can't go back. And all I really knew was the second hand and vintage trade.
0: In in um, Catherine Suter's article, I noticed that you said you've never had to advertise for stock. I'm sure that would surprise people.
4: Well, um, it certainly surprised me because um, since I, I opened eight and a half years ago now. I haven't had to uh, advertise that I buy anything. It's just come my way. People come in, sometimes they come in with just a a little bag with a few things in it and say, am I interested in having a look to buy things? Some people turn up with a car load and I even had a lorry turn up one day completely full and I bought half the lorry load.
0: (laughs) What, without any warning or notice or anything, (laughs) just a lorry...
4: (laughs) No warning at all. <laughs> Just a lorry today. And my poor stool holder that day was, I think, quite horrified. But it worked out in the end. But I, I do visit people at their houses. You know, I do. I'm, I'm actually doing a call tomorrow at a lady's house. I never know what to expect, so it's always exciting.
0: Do you ever have things in your shop that you really like and probably don't actually want to sell? Oh
4: yes, yes, often.
0: Have you got a favourite thing in the shop at the moment?
4: At the moment, um, there is a very, very beautiful necklace. A very, very beautiful necklace, yes. But sometimes it might be a teddy bear, sometimes it might be a piece of music. My father has a very dear friend in America who is one of the biggest collectors of sheet music in the world, Sandy Marone, and she supplies a lot of our music at Teddy Tinkers. A lot of what she sends to us is very, very rare sheet music.
0: Sounds great. Um, She mentioned something called New Bohemia, some um, campaign that you're involved with.
4: Yes, our community around the shop, that stretch of London Road and Bohemia Road itself and the surrounding area where we've got together and we've called the area New Bohemia to try and promote it and we've got lots of plans lots of new ideas and it's very very exciting because we're incorporating people and businesses and shops all within that area yes watch this space because new bohemia creative quarter as we're calling it is up and coming and we have lots of exciting things ahead
0: and what do you think about being chosen by Catherine as a person of hastings
4: Catherine was absolutely lovely and she chatted and obviously asked me questions and when she went to leave i said to her where are you going next expecting her to say that she was going across the road to another shop and everything and she said no she said i'm I just came to you and I said, goodness me, I said, that's amazing, thank you so much. So I, of course I asked her, you know, why she'd chosen me and she said it's because she likes Teddy Tinkers so much, which was just absolutely lovely.
0: Kate Rosie of Teddy Tinkers, thank you very much for your time.
4: Not at all, thank you very much, Ben.
1: There are two pieces in issue 203 of the Hastings Independent that are exploring the experience of refugees in Hastings. One is focusing on the Ukrainian refugees that many of us have staying with us. I have a wonderful lady called Natalia staying with me at the moment, so it's something that's really on my mind a lot. Um, And this piece does ask the question, though, are we treating refugees from all countries and parts of the world in our town in the same way? And this is something that Alex Kempton, the operations and campaigns manager at the Refugee Buddy Project, takes further in a really thought-provoking feature that asks the question, is our attitude to refugees colourblind? And this is all about the way that the media portrays refugees from different parts of the world and how this narrative can really feed our perception of even individuals and their stories. And then, of course, our sympathy towards them and our attitudes towards them and, ultimately, the way we behave towards them. And this was really interesting to me. So I went along to the Refugee Bodies Project lunch and panel discussion all about the way that the media, and particularly imagery, can impact the way we behave towards refugees. And it was called All Refugees Welcome. And there I spoke to Aya Borgley from the Refugee Buddy Project.
5: We've got some fantastic speakers today speaking about the power of photography. When we see the images that are labelled as unworthy, you, can, you see, you know, men often, whereas the Mm -hmm. worthy ones are the children. It creates a really weird separation of, like, threatening and unthreatening. Society
1: follows the media and judges, individuals, because of these images that they've seen.
5: I mean, you can attach an image and put a headline on it, and that person might have no idea that their image is being used in that particular way, and... A very good point. You you really don't know. You know that, for example, individual in a picture of, you know, a refugee camp. For example, mm. you don't know their name. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know the circumstances that they've that they've been through to get them to that position. Mm. Um, you just have been told that they're a threat to your job market or benefits
1: and things like that from i said there's so much you can bridge with just a conversation and it's so true i mean one of the things we talked about in the panel was the fact that even with the best will in the world i mean some some media pieces are there to really try and get support and to raise money but they're using an image and they're using somebody's story and that person is in control of their story or the story of their, that's being told. And that's okay, they may be a refugee and they may be having a really difficult plight. And although people understand that some of these images need to be shown and i was really inspired by the refugee buddies stitch for change project and you can see their fantastic patchworks in hastings museum and art gallery up until the 24th of july and having been donated some lovely bags of fabric i decided to do some patchwork with my own group and while we were designing some pieces for the patchwork we're going to be making i asked the group about what the word refugee means to them and also about their stories as their design in their patchworks
6: for me it's someone who is running from somewhere but as you said it's better to say to to some place the meaning is to to run it's somebody who's rebuilding a life
2: somewhere
6: else oh it's not rebuilding it's from the very beginning <laughs> but it's interesting yes. that a changing place you can be Whoever you want, mm. you you may leave all your masks behind. But interesting that after we all left our country, we became not maybe someone else who we wanted to be while being in the country. We all become ourselves mm. and we become so close with some people that we never uh, were in touch because we have these social masks that uh, I don't see you. So see your inner, you don't see my inner and now we all are open. And we, um, I don't know this word in English, um, we came to the zero level, uh, not like we came to zero and we can grow up again, but in everyone in different circumstances, but we have what we have inside.
1: Yes, yes, I love that. I love that. So although being a refugee is obviously frightening, you're like running from danger and that danger... Strips you down to what you really are inside. Yeah. So when you arrive, you've in got this sense. chance to 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 grow and re have a, like take these masks off and be a, mm-hmm. re, to be who you really are inside.
6: We well, are who we are. it's yeah. perfect. It's the best part of all.
1: This. I love what Anna's saying there. It's just so positive, isn't it? After everything she's been through, and she's only been in Hastings just over a week at the time. And I love the idea that you're kind of like stripped so bare through the real trauma that you've been through that it it just enables you to be the person that you are underneath all the masks so as Aya said there's so much you can bridge with just the conversation so have those conversations and if anyone would like to join us in our in our art sessions and share stories there you're so welcome we are making this quilt at the minute which is going to be a community art project um so you're so welcome. That's at his place on Robertson Street at ten o'clock on Thursdays or at four o'clock on Thursdays. All materials are provided and refugees from everywhere in the world are always welcome for free. So yeah, it'd be great if you want to come along and, and share some stories there. But keep those conversations going and and just, you know, have your mind open and and learn about individuals learn about people rather than the stories that the media portrays.